0: Time for kickoff. This football team is coming
1: into our place. We're standing in our way. This is a game of the heart. Focus and finish.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Proust. and this is Greg's Gridiron Gold, the awesome blow-by-blow, no-holds-barred account of American football.
2: I like that kind of party, baby!
0: Miami's hosting the Super Bowl.
3: I love these people, and that's why we're here. Yeah!
4: Cause we're all in this together with God's
1: love and grace.
0: As millions of dollars are blown in Miami, Schools down the freeway are finding it hard to meet the escalating costs
2: of teaching the game. There are many places, like in Gary, Indiana, and in Chicago, where games are played solely in the afternoon because they do not want to spend money to put the lights on. George Smith is coach of St. Thomas Aquinas School. There are no stipends for coaches because those are cut back. Some high schools, you're not getting quality coaching staff to improve the skill part of the game. That's, that's basically what's affecting the game
4: in some of the major cities of the united states because of lower tax bases and poverty high schools have had to cut back on football and other sports
0: writer bob peterson believes the cash crisis is now affecting the game
4: particularly in inner cities where they are woefully underfunded to begin with they are cutting back on a lot of extracurricular things in new york city there have been teams that had to almost give up because they just didn't have the playing space or the uh, equipment.
0: Unlike soccer, American football is player and equipment intensive. The average team has 45 members, and all need kidding out for battle, even though only 11 take to the field at any one time. My country's obsession with litigation means no institution can afford to take risks. Coach Smith's locker room looks more like a sports store than a school. It's packed with $20,000 worth of clothing and padding.
2: Let's see, the helmet, are $120 to $95. Shoulder pads, anywhere from $90 to $50. The practice pants, uh, $12 to $15. Game pants, $40. Game jerseys, $50. Knee pads, $5 to $6 a pair. Thigh pads, uh, $8 a pair. Practice jerseys, $10. The coaches are in a
0: difficult position. Many are underpaid and overworked, but they can't
4: let the game die. Bob Peterson. The coaches would rather keep it going, even if they have to fund it themselves, than let these athletes have no outlet for their energies at all.
3: Many schools are having to go to private donors. There are different programs, there's one in the San Francisco area in which as what they call a celebrity waiter luncheon that raises about $100,000 every year just to buy equipment and to help finance eSports.
0: High school players
4: Matt and John are desperate to play the game. I start out with my helmet because uh, I'm always getting hit, so if I don't have my helmet, I'm gonna be uh, hurting. Then I got my shoulder pads, so I don't separate a shoulder or bruise my shoulder or anything like that. And then I have rib pads so my ribs don't get broken because I'm always, I play quarterback and so when I'm in motion like this, I could be getting hit right here. So I have rib pads for that. Then I have thigh pads right here, just so you don't get a bruised hamstring or anything like that. Then I got hip pads, because people's face masks from their helmet can go on there and give you some hip pointers. And then knee pads so your knees don't get messed up. And then cleats so you can get good traction. Monday, we'll we'll practice in just our shoulder pads and shorts. And we'll just walk through the plays. We won't really, have much contact and mostly just brushing up on things that we did wrong and things like that or working on plays that need to be worked on. If you don't wear equipment, you're gonna be going home in a body bag or you're going to you're going to the hospital. Cause there's a lot of people out there, there's big kids, you get hit hard. No! No! No!
5: Carrying the ball 20 times a game requires power and valor, not niftiness. The water dug and whipped backs rarely survive the wail and howl of the banshee. Every team needs a Brahma bull to steamroll through the stacked defenses in the pros.
6: They must meld
5: the buck of a billy goat with a sudden surge of a sprint. He does not move with polish or slickness. His method is not Grand Prix, but demolition dirt.
3: There's another problem that the Federal regulations in America stipulate that the women's sports should get roughly as much money as the men's, and so that puts a lot more strain on the total budget. Both women's and men's sports have to be funded out of the same revenue source, the men's football, basically.
1: You want the football? Yes. No. Gentlemen, you will have the option in the second half.
2: the cost itself has been greatly affected by some injuries that occurred about 17 18 years ago. There were neck injuries and they were blamed on the helmet not fitting properly or the helmet malfunctioning. At that time there were probably eight helmet companies in America that made football helmets and so the price was down because it was competitive. Currently there are actually two helmet manufacturers in the entire country and the helmet price has skyrocketed because of that. The ever-increasing costs are a far cry from the days of the
0: galloping ghost of Red Grange. Then, players were shielded by little more than their trousers. Today, would-be beefcakes are armor-plated like stormtroopers from Star Wars. Reinforced plastic abounds. Only this time, it's
2: covered by jerseys and pants. Every year, the federal government tests the the helmets to make sure they're not cracked, and that costs about $10 a helmet to have those tested. The ones that are found deficient, you cannot wear those anymore, and of course you have to buy new ones, and they're going right now anywhere from $120 to $95 a piece. The costs are striking at the very heart of
0: American society. Football unites our land. It's a common bond between old and young, rich and poor. It's as essential a part of our national life as guns and Oprah Winfrey. Without the weekly school game, small-town America would simply lose its collective identity. In larger cities, the weekend meeting is also an important tradition. Vic the Brick is a sports talk show host in LA.
1: A community wants their football, especially smaller communities in America. They live for that Friday night. High school football, Friday night fever around America. You go to a small town in Texas on Friday night, that's it. Football, that's all they're gonna talk about. And they'll do anything to get their high school a football
2: team. Many groups of parents are out there trying to maintain football as we knew it a couple years ago and they have fundraisers and raise money to offset the cost of football. They do that by a variety of means, having raffles at games, having golf tournaments, running the concession stands, selling T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts. Banners, pendants. There are schools
1: that have economic problems in this country, and they have to make a decision football or books. Obviously, they have to buy the books. And if they don't have money for a football team, then they'll create money, you know, via charities, money raising events, car washes, church socials, auctions.
5: The game is wide open, not confined. X's and O's on a blackboard are translated into imagination on the field. It can be one man rising above the obscurity of the grim, no-glory duty of special team. It is a lineman clawing through the carnage at the scrimmage line and devouring the
0: quarterback. It's not just in the high school that American football is under threat. In universities across the country, administrators are questioning the sport's educational role. Some believe scarce resources could be better used to buy books and buildings rather than athletic equipment and scholarships.
3: Such talk causes alarm amongst the true fan. Bob Peterson once again. At one time, schools had as many as 140 players on scholarship. Now they've had to cut back the Nc2A, which is a governing body of collegiate sports, has cut the scholarships back to 85, but that's still a lot, especially in a private school, because athletic scholarships are funded entirely by the athletic department. It costs more than $20,000 a year for a student by the time they pay for the dormitory and, and everything else. So if you multiply that by 85, you see what the cost just of getting the players is. If you're one of an army of sponsored players traveling through college, you
0: can devote your life to the game. But many universities are now reevaluating the sport.
4: In some colleges, it's felt to be a distraction that takes away from the educational mission of the college. The University of Chicago, in the early years of the century, was one of the top teams in the country. And they dropped it and haven't had a team since, even though it's a very large college. For those schools able to continue, the training is tough, the rewards high. Traditionally, football has been
3: used as a sport which has raised money to support other sports because aside from football and men's basketball, these are the only sports really that raise more money than they cost to put on. So football colleges now are facing a tremendous strain to keep their football programs going, to keep other programs going, and now the women have their own programs, it's really quite costly.
5: The game is perpetual motion. A swirl of flying bodies in constant collision. A two and a half hour carnival of color, sound, and action.
4: I got a little something for you.
0: Unlike some sports, the NFL appears to recognize the need to take action. They and the professional players are giving cash to buy equipment. Trace Armstrong plays with the Miami Dolphins.
7: We've agreed to, with the league to do a very substantial youth football program. And I think that uh, with that added emphasis, we'll be able to do some things and make sure that uh, kids continue to play football. I think uh, organized sports are great. I think they're one of the great learning tools for young people, and, and certainly I think football's a part of that.
2: Hall of Fame director John Banker. They are doing a lot in terms of improving the stadiums and the game of high school football, particularly youth football. They have several programs called Play Football, Air It Out. These programs
0: hope to stem the tide that's threatening the game. Cash is given to fund youth teams in low-income areas. Skill sessions are arranged, and there's a hefty helping of star names to promote the sport. The NFL and the players have a plan remind
7: the young that American football equals patriotism. I think you see now more interaction with players and fans and players and kids than you've ever seen. We've got 1,600 active players in our league and over 800 of them have some type of foundation that they formed on their own where they do things to benefit kids. They speak at high schools, at elementary schools, and uh, I think you see much more interaction now with young people than there's ever been. The league's support is
2: backed up with free tickets and a PR offensive. So they are going back to the grassroots, trying to get young people more interested in the game by distributing tickets to youth groups who can go to see the game play and uh, doing other things that will try to revitalize the interest in football in the United States.
5: The heroes of the 60s, like the game itself, seem larger than life size. I now want you to listen to me and listen good. This is what we're going to do, we're going to run the ball, we're going to pass
0: the ball, we're going right down this field, and we're going to score. As more players are enshrined in the Hall of Fame, their earlier counterparts wouldn't recognize the modern game. Salaries are gargantuan, and now the owners and players work together for the good of the sport. Admittedly, there have been some industrial problems, but today, common sense prevails.
6: The relationship between the players and the owners and how we negotiate our collective bargaining agreement has really changed because now the players understand the importance of negotiating a good agreement. Gene Upshaw is a former LA Raiders star, now
0: head of the Players Union.
6: Well, in the old days, what the owners would do would come in the room and say, here's what we're going to give you, take it or leave it. There was no negotiations in those days. What they would do was just come in and just tell you what, you, what you're going to get. Now there's give and take. We decide what's best, and that's how it's really changed. We together decide what's best for the owners, what's best for the clubs and, and the players, and what's best for the fans. When a player
8: used to negotiate with a lawyer or the general manager from a team, he was at a, probably at a disadvantage. Maybe he was a stupid jock football player. So there was a couple of clauses put in there. There was a couple of things in there, and if he was worth uh, twenty thousand, he got fourteen. Now it's the reverse,
7: and, and the agent is, is up trying to push the market up. With the 1998 collective bargaining agreement and extension of the 93 agreement uh, has made this the golden era of uh, professional football.
0: The new breed of union official is emerging. Sustainability and image are more
7: important
0: than a quick buck. Norman McQueen has followed the game for Reuters. He is one who's seen the changes over the decades.
8: The union was really broken for a short time in a job action in 1987. But because of legal suits, Plan B came in, which became free agency. Once you have free agency of any sort, even at any time, the whole market skyrockets. It just does.
0: As the amateur game is in decline, the professional sport is bigger and better than ever. The dollar value of the teams has skyrocketed. Demand for merchandise and tickets is breaking all records. America wants more. Cities cry for a team to call their own but the NFL has rationed supply to just 31 lucky venues. If the country's habit is to be satisfied, more players are required. Gene Upshaw and his members are now more powerful than ever.
6: You can't expand the game because you need players. We provide the players, and the players need to have a say in their wages, hours, and working conditions. That's what the union provides. We provide a platform for the players to negotiate their wages, their hours, and their working conditions.
8: It may sound good that I can leave one employer and go to another if I wish to, but that does not help in pro sports. It may be the right of the individual player to do it, but it is resented by the fans. Jerry Maguire doesn't
0: exist. Agents More 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 is their cry. The union is curbing
7: their power. Right now I'd like to introduce Richard Bertelson, our chief legal counsel. We were the first to actually regulate agents in professional sports, and we've been the first to uh,
4: extend that to the uh, rookie contracts. And we've made some improvements, we think, in the last few years. Uh, But most recently, in the last year, we've uh, really clamped down on agents who are violating the rules, especially those agents uh, who are jeopardizing the eligibility of college athletes. We encourage anybody and everybody who has information as to these kinds of activities to call us uh, because we're very interested in making sure that the rules are enforced.
0: The movie Jerry Maguire paints a vivid picture of the sport. It shows the agents as superficial Armani-wearing monsters, and the players as egotistical muscle mouths. Sadly, often both are true, but the quest for cash has sometimes led to scandal. The players in the NFL are keen to put those dark days behind them. Ryder Norman McLean again.
8: Football agents have their own little code, their own little world. Dog eat dog. And many of them will do almost anything. Not that the general managers don't. The general manager's job is to, at some point, create a business lie as opposed to a personal lie. You know, they will tell you something that's misleading. They will mislead you about an injury or something of that nature. That's the way it is. For the first time, we required new agents, about 280 of them,
4: to pass a written examination before they could be certified. We suspended Jeff Nally, uh, the person who was involved in the Curtis Ennis incident, for two years. Uh, we also uh, suspended agent Ed Sewell in San Francisco for six months, and so we are
5: clamping down in that area. There's glory in the legends of this hard muscle life. And there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. But now's the time to work and strain at a sport that tests the spirit and challenges the brain. Come
1: on, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah, I'd like to have 75 degrees and sunny all the time, too, but that's not football.
5: Do you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? We're gonna play it lightning and rain. Go face them and fight them. Be savage again.
0: The only thing which tarnishes the halo of the modern game is the nomadic team who moved to a more profitable city. Fans are devastated. Newspapers rampage, and American football is weakened.
1: Los Angeles is a victim of this new economics, the flight of all these owners looking for better deals. Georgia Frontieri owned the Los Angeles Rams. She, of course, had the team in Orange County. She fled Orange County for a better deal in St. Louis. Abandoned the team, abandoned the people, and all Rams fans, and the Rams have been here since the 50s. Abandoned them for what? For a few million dollars, a few stinking million dollars.
8: Unfortunately, an owner of a team is a businessman. And if Atlantic and Pacific, or if a drug chain wants to move somewhere, they can do it, and there is no legal difference
0: the Raiders left Oakland for L.A. in search of cash, only to
3: return home again. The Raiders moved from Oakland to Los Angeles in 1982, basically because their owner felt that they would be more important in the Los Angeles area, which is the second largest area in the country, second only in New York, and he thought that he could be a more important person down there too.
1: In the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, Los Angeles had a football team, a very proud football tradition that began in the Coliseum that moved to Orange County, which is 30 miles south of Los Angeles. They should have been the Anaheim Rams or the Orange County Rams, but they retained the name Los Angeles because that sells tickets.
0: When Al Davis took his team to L.A., the media went mad. In the Raiders' former home of Oakland, they mourned the loss of their boys. In Los Angeles, they screamed at the cost of refurbishing the Olympic Coliseum, But regardless, the diamond-ring-wearing
3: owner laughed all the way to the bank. The Los Angeles people, for whatever reason, did not take to the Raiders much, and they were always second to the Rams while they were there. So Davis finally moved the team back to Oakland in 1995. And from the standpoint of the Oakland fans, that was a very important move because The Raiders have always been very important psychologically to Oakland because Oakland always sees itself as a second city to San Francisco, which is much more glamorous and much more well-known throughout the world than Oakland. And so the Raiders were always a big source of pride. So to have them back, even though they haven't been playing very well since they came back, is still very important to the, the people of Oakland.
4: It's moved for one reason only, and that is to get a bigger audience or get a free stadium paid by the taxpayers. It's the only reason anybody moves. That's why the, you see changes in franchises fairly frequently, although not nearly as often as it used to be.
3: Uh, cities are so desperate to get NFL teams that they make ridiculous deals with them, building stadiums, just giving them all sorts of cash advantages. Uh, the deal that the Raiders got to come back to Oakland was not anywhere near as good as the Rams got to lo- relocate from Los Angeles or Anaheim to St. Louis, for instance. It was not as good as the deal the expansion Cleveland team now, is the city is building a stadium for them. The future of the sport looks bright. Nothing can stop it now.
0: Profits are up, attendance is high, and the boys are cleaner and fitter than ever. Great to
1: have you here today. Appreciate you coming. And I'd like to kick off our event by introducing the president of NFL Enterprises, Mr. Ron Bernard. Thank
3: you. I wanted to take a few minutes to review some of the achievements over the past decade and give you a sense of where I see the NFL going over the next decade.
0: Even Europe is interested in the sport. The boys in Edinburgh and Germany are emulating their transatlantic cousins, winning awards and trophies. Well, I think the next
1: 30, 40 years, the emphasis now is on continued growth at home, uh, but with some restraint. I think the National Football League wants to go to probably 32 teams. We're now at 31, which is an odd number, which makes it a little difficult. But I think they also want to get the international market more involved.
5: A time for achievement, a time for purpose, a time
4: for glory. Join me next time for another edition of Greg's Gridiron Gold. Football is going to be the sporting spectacle in the US, certainly for the foreseeable future. 50 years from now, maybe soccer will have taken over, I don't know.
0: I'm Greg Proops and Gridiron Gold was produced in Birmingham by New Street Productions.